Welcome to the Maintenance Mavericks podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn all things about maintenance and reliability. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. In each episode, I'll be meeting with an expert within our maintenance community to take a deep dive into topics that help elevate the entire industry. Today, I'm super excited to have Shweta Saxena, who's the CEO of a company called Machine Max here on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Shweta. I'm super excited to learn from you today. Delighted to be here, Ryan, and it's very interesting what you guys are doing, really. Uh, coming from this industry, uh, what I would like to say, you're doing something which we call collaboration excellence, right? You're creating a community. There is a notion about learning. I'm, again, delighted to be here, super excited to be part of this. All right, and we're super excited to have you, too. <laughs> the way that we always kick this podcast off is just have you share a little bit more about your background and how you were first introduced into this field of maintenance and reliability to all of our listeners today. I'm a product person. I have almost 20 years of product experience. I feel very, very old now, having said that, but <laughs> I started my journey uh, into digital space. So I've been a serial entrepreneur. This is my third startup. So I've seen various stages of product development. I've seen products succeed. I've seen products tank. I've seen from by, you know, as part of the incumbents. So I was part of BCGDV, Boston Consulting Group, Dell. Uh, so I've seen the hardware side of things. So product is what, you know, excites me. Building product is something which, which I'm passionate about. Understanding what the cust- how the customers are using it. And, and doing it from their perspective and trying to solve the, their problems is something which drives me. So um, that's my background. I work with companies like Lego and Celine. So all those experiences coming together and now being the founder and the CEO of Machine Max four years back when we started this journey. And that was my introduction to heavy asset industry. I was part of a team which went into field to do a research ethnographic research, what we call like, you know, going and figuring it out what the customer's pain point is to what the problem that we were trying to solve is how do they use the machines and how we can help them improve uh, the sale of lubricants and the maintenance cycles around it, right? So that was my first introduction to a heavy asset, heavy industry. I went into the field, we went into five countries and various places, almost 120 odd interviews. And I was like completely boggled by, as an outsider, how can all the machines are connected, but we can't take the data out of them. Like the human to machine interaction was absolutely in like 1990s or in a legacy way. And that's where the, the, you know, the whole idea of Machine Max came and the whole focus on the reliable, or my introduction to maintenance, reliability. And that was my first endeavor to try and figure this thing out. What an awesome story. So you started out in technology as a product person. You did a bunch of these interviews and then saw a big problem. I see it, we see it every single day. And what kind of boggles my mind so much, Shweta, these machines are actually extremely smart. They're status systems, PLCs. But to your point, it's not connected up into the cloud. So the ability to access the data, even though it's there and it's running the most complex operations in the world, I think a lot of people don't realize that, that these pieces of equipment are extremely complex, but it's all hunkered down in these on-prem systems. So I see a big push towards taking all this data, moving it up into the cloud, and then integrating it in with other pieces of data around the plant to give our customers even higher fidelity data about how to run their business better. Absolutely right, Ryan. You know, you've said it 
perfectly. Like these are such, I think mining and construction, the first industries probably to adopt wearables. But then again, the future is uneven, right? There are places where everything is connected and you talk about mining, super intelligent mine and super connected mines. And then there are places where there is absolutely no connectivity. And even getting, uh, people are using pen and pencil to write. I'll, I'll give you an example. In Bangalore, we saw that there were uh, people, because labor is cheap in India. So what they were doing is there were people sitting in front of machines, noticing what the machines are doing. And then there was a human courier, like three bikes, motorbikes. People will drive on motorbikes and meet at a central place to consolidate everything, stitch those reports together. And that's how they're building the system there. So it's just, yeah. So I, I know that you spent a lot of time, especially in these two industries, construction and mining. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about innovation, the pace of innovation in these spaces relative to others. Personally, I know that there's been a lot of VC money, especially in construction that has been poured into you know, building technology for construction, roughly similar to mining too, because of the big opportunity there. I'd be curious your take, Shreta, about you know the pace of innovation in this space. Is it happening? Are you starting to see that? And also be curious, like what, what are you excited about? The pace of innovation is there. Uh, like you, you mentioned about the VC money, just to quote a figure uh, in 2021, I think already we have $800 million, which has gone from a VC money into construction tech. And mining is a separate, you know, ballgame altogether. 2022 itself, there's a lot of money, especially around sustainability. 30% of the VC money was focused on sustainability. And when we talk about sustainability, we talk about construction and mining specifically, right? There's a lot of money going in. However, the future is uneven. Like there's lots happening in certain areas. And there are certain areas which is totally not covered. When you talk about class A mine, you see people talking about VR, AR. I saw a video in China where a person is sitting in his room and the digger is digging, right? This is completely, the person is totally managing everything remotely. The digger is going under a tunnel and it continues to dig, 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 dig. So that's another sort of level of innovation and pace of innovation we are talking about. When you go to South Africa or when you go to remote places in India, you know, the example I gave, people are sitting in front of the machines and writing it down. So future has arrived, but it's very, very uneven. That's one thing which I've noticed. Second thing, I feel that being in this industries for quite some time, I feel that, you know, these are fragment, this is not like manufacturing. This is very different from manufacturing or agriculture because a lot of characters come together and no single project is the same project. So there are fragmented project team working on complex workflows in siloed systems. And that's why, you know, in spite of going so much of money, the innovation is not that evident yet. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And we're on this train too here at Upkeep. The whole premise of like what we're trying to build is connect all these different silos. We think that the best way to do that, actually to your point, is move everything into the cloud. One of the reasons for silos is because you've got these like systems that are on-prem that are basically housing the data in a single database, doesn't speak to other systems. So I absolutely believe that. And I totally see that too. There's a ton of money being poured into, especially some of these industries like construction. It's not until 
I don't know, like five, 10 years later that we're starting to see the pace of innovation really pick up because that's kind of how long it takes to like build a company, support the product roadmap and get to that next phase around critical adoption that we as, you know, insider, but also on, on the edges of it, because we are in technology to actually see it widespread across the entire industry. Couldn't agree more. Like, you know, we, there is still a long way to go. However, the pace, like one, one example, which I give always give is four years back, nobody was talking about, especially in UK, nobody was talking about sustainable tech. Now, suddenly that become the market force here. So we keep on talking about this, nothing happens for months and then yeah. months happens in days, right? So that's the way I feel about it. Like they would not happen probably tinkering happening here, there, here, there. And suddenly in a couple of days, we'll see, oh, there's this regulation has come, that has happened. And suddenly everything has changed. COVID did that to us, right? So I feel the same way, but yeah, I still think there's a long way to go. I know that you've dedicated, I'm guessing every single waking moment of, of your life to you know, building for this industry. And I'm, I'm guessing at some point you said, right now is the time to focus on innovation in this space. I kind of want to ask you, like, what was that lightning bolt moment or that spark moment that said, this is a problem we're solving today? Very interesting question. So when did the penny drop for me? For, for me, it was when I spoke to, as part of the ethnographic research four years back, when we were talking to the customers, and I was trying to understand how do they maintain or keep track of the, what the machines are doing. And irrespective, whether it is India, China, Germany, US, invariably, and especially in US, I was there in Oklahoma and you know the rust belt talking to lots and lots of people there. And those like big hunk dudes, and, and they are like, yeah, I know everything about my machines. I said, okay, fine. Can you tell me how many hours your machines have run? And they'll become suddenly coy and shy and they, because they don't know how to log in into the systems. They have either forgotten their username or password, or there are multiple systems there. That's where it occurred to me. Why can't we have a single platform or a single universal telematics device, which can go on any make model and that was the origination. That moment when I saw the customers, those six foot feet tall guys, they were like so confident. I know what my machines are doing. I can, I can tell you right now itself. And when I asked them to log in, they were all shy because you know there are multiple systems, lot, lot of fragmentation. And I was like, why, why, why can't we have a single plan? Why? What is it stopping? What is this? Like, what, what was the thing which is stopping us? That was the spark. All right. All right. And obviously four years later, you're still going hard at it. And uh, what, what it sounds like is the vision has only become clearer and it's probably only become even bigger. You know, obviously one purpose of like collecting large amounts of data is to build AI machine learning models on top of all of this data. Yeah. I kind of want to talk a little bit more about AI. You know, we've had some, you know, folks come here on the show and I think that there are differing opinions actually to AI and you know, what it'll do to the industry and mm. the speed at which it'll happen in our industry. So mm. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit more. What do you think, Shweta? AI in, in our industry, what's the future? So before I talk about, Brian, before I talk about AI in the industry, as soon as you say AI, we start thinking of Terminators, like, you know, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back kind of a thing. <laughs> or the Skynets of the world, right? So. The way I see AI and maybe a controversial answer here, AI is for me, nothing but 
maths, right? I come from a mathematics background. So for me, it's like computation there. Now, how you make it more and more complex. So if I have to keep it very simply, there is a narrow AI, there is a general AI, and there is a super AI, right? So the narrow AI, what we use probably in day-to-day -day Siri is one of the examples, or when you go on Netflix, the recommendations which are coming in yeah. uh, is, is also uh, AI. So narrow AI is something which computer program has a goal, specific goal, and they are doing it time and again, and they are achieving it better than humans, right? On, on a regular basis. Then there is a general AI, which we started to see with GPT-3, for example, not sure how much your audience would know about GPT-3, but this is something like, which is human-based text. A yep. computer program can generate human-based text. So people are using that to write books. People are using that, that to play, you know, generate games, text-based games. There is podcasts which are getting created. There's lots happening. So there is a specific program which is there and it is doing multiple tasks, started to do multiple tasks, maybe around text, but there's multiple tasks which is doing. And then there is a super AI, which we talk about like a terminated kind of <laughs> <laughs> So in our industry, now coming back to the, your question specific around our industry, I think the simple answer is yes, AI is going to make a lot of difference. And I'm talking about a narrow AI or, a, or maybe a little yeah. bit generic AI because there is a huge amount of data which is there. There is a huge amount of images, text, which, which we, we can put into the programs and then help generate uh, goal-oriented programs out of it and help improve efficiency. We ourselves in Machine Max, in our sensors, we have a machine learning algorithm which can create a digital signatures of the machines, right? These are completely wireless sensors. They go just take it out of the box, put it against the machines, and within a couple of hours, it will learn that, you know, is this an excavator or a dump truck or a telehandler? And then it will generate models as based on like, you know, when, what does an excavator on means, which is very different for what is in a dump truck on means. When the dump truck is moving, uh, it is working. When excavator is digging, it is working. So we start, we, we use AI, but very, very specific, narrow AI. Now, where I see the future going in is the workflow the processes side mm -hmm. of it. There's a lot of things which are coming together. The sensor cost has come down. Processing power has, you know, the, there is tenfold increase in the processing power. Uh, the proliferation of, like you were mentioning, cloud. So there is a lot happening on, on the connectivity side of things. So the timing-wise, there's a lot happening from the way we collect data, we can do edge computing, we can send it to cloud, and then make sense of that data. When we started this podcast, we were talking about, there's a lot of machines which are connected. However, the data stays within the machines. Yeah. Now we have this whole digital network, which can push that data back at a very low cost and a computational power is also very low. So we can do a lot with that data. And that's where I see, especially around maintenance, anomaly detection, reliability, there's lots which can be done. I love that answer because you're absolutely right. There's so many different forms of what AI could mean. And I love the way you break it down into these three different categories, whether it's narrow or expansive or whether the Terminator view of AI. But to your point, at least the most narrow forms, it's already being done in, yeah. you know, today, it, whether we realize it or not, when we turn on a TV and open up Netflix. <laughs> 
Um, you know, we talk about like the future, we talked about like AI, and we also talked about technology. So I want to ask you, uh, if you could change one thing about technology, you know, be it in our industry, what would that be? <laughs> Does it have to be industry specific? <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, we, we could open it up. <laughs> Let's open it up. So uh, my mind goes to social media, right? <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> Most topical topic. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I want to change is understanding the second order and the third order implications of technology yeah. when it becomes at scale. We don't know what we don't know right now. And, and when it becomes billion people connections, it's a completely different ball game. The yeah. algorithms, what they are doing, um, what is the second order and the third order implications, what we see when we scale technology. If I have a way of understanding it today, I would want to do that today. Like, you know, that, 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 that would be my take. We're, we're kind of running up here on time. We have a segment on this show where at the very end of this episode, we always do like a quick fire set of questions where I ask you a question and you answer in 30 seconds or less. Just okay. give, your, give us your, uh, you know, first thoughts that come to mind. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, Shreta. I would love to know what's your favorite w- memory of the biggest win you've had in the maintenance reliability space? So I would say when we put our sensors on the second largest crane, and so we used to call it mother of all cranes and got, got the data out of it. That was the biggest thing for me. <laughs> That's awesome. The mother of all cranes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about a mistake that you've learned a ton from within the industry? Uh, I would say never underestimate the human ingenuity. You give a sensor to a customer, you would not know how they are going to use it. I've seen sensors being foil wrapped. I've seen them thrown into the system in, in farther way. I've seen so many things. So never underestimate the ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, I guess that could go both directions, right? <laughs> How about resources that you find yourself learning from as you continue to you know, obviously expand your own knowledge base? Where do you go for new ideas? So podcasting is, uh, off late has been my favorite. I read a lot, uh, but podcasting, I would say. I'm an avid podcast uh, listener. And that just sparks the ideas. Like, you know, you it's more conversational. It's more personal. That's, that's my go-to nowadays. Favorite podcast or favorite book? Favorite podcast, All in One and Pivot. Uh, these are two my favorite. And a favorite book, I would say Ayn Rand's Fountainhead. All right. I'll have to go check those out. Um, thank you so much, Shreta, for going through those quick fire set of questions with me. The last thing I've got for you is can you share with all of our listeners the different ways that they can connect with you and follow you on your journey? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can search Shreta Saxena, uh, CEO of Machine Max. I'm there. And Twitter, Schwitz underscore Saxena. Uh, they're at Twitter. Not very active on Twitter, but very much active on LinkedIn, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Shreta, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of the Maintenance Mavericks podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. And you can also connect with me. I'm super active, as is Shreta, on LinkedIn. You can find me and Shreta at the Maintenance Community Slack group. You can feel free to follow up with any questions from today's episode or also suggest any future topics. You can sign up at upkeep.org. And I hope to connect with all of you soon. Thank you again, Shweta. Until next time. It has been a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks.